0: Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, uh, March Tuning Madness sale in full swing over at Duramax Tuner.
1: Yeah, so we have 15% off, Easy Link Tuning, EFI Live Tuning, and L5P Tuning. Um, What's really cool is HPT gave us the go-ahead to release our switch-on-the-fly support for the (laughs) L5P all at the same time.
0: So I want to talk about that timing. Yeah three we've been planning our march tuning madness sale for like six to seven weeks uh before it actually kicked off and three days before the sale starts i believe it was uh all of a sudden we get an email saying going live with switch on the fly and i'm like
1: which we've been in r&d on since september
0: right right (laughs) the the product video we shot in december just to make sure we would have it ready whenever it, it went live and man um Hey, good for you guys out there! Just if yep. you're a customer who's snagging that deal up right now, like, good it, timing.
1: It's a super cool platform because it's it's not anything that has been out before. You have switch on the fly through steering wheel controllers. There's no more use for a switch of any kind. You don't have to use your phone like EFI or like EasyLink to switch tunes. It's really cool. It's a really nice creature comfort, and it's it's a simplistic approach to changing the tune.
0: Yeah, I love so it. So
1: it's super cool. We're really excited. The customers so far seem to love it. Love it. The guys in tuning have been super busy with that. And then we have our tractor stuff that's ramping up. So oh, spring this time, time of year, is here. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, over at Calibrated Power, we do a lot of ag tuning on John Deere, Case, Versatile New Holland, Cat Challenger stuff. Um, so it's, you know, the weather's broke somewhat and, uh, <laughs> you know, farmers are starting to kind of ramp up, you know, their uh, organization and what they have going on. So, it, uh, it it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, at least where we're at in the Midwest, I don't think anybody's in the field yet. It's just still too wet. No, probably still some. But some we literally chunks.
1: just had three feet of snow melt. Grass is showing. Yes. Like th- the temperatures are a little <laughs> nicer. So everyone's getting bit by the spring bug in one way or another.
0: That's it. That's it. Exactly, man. So. And I think I think farmers are starting to look at those tractors and going like. <sighs> You know, last year there was this spot in the in the field that was yep. really tough to get yep. through. Or like, man, that hill over there. I've been a lot of a lot of the guys
1: that I've been working with so far. They've had an opportunity to up on a little bit more land. Yeah. So they're thinking of all their their day to day process. So it's a cool it's a cool platform and it really works. And I've had a lot of good you know data and statistics with guys over the years. So it's it's really cool to be able to offer an option to a farmer and they're able to see a. honest return on their investment. Yeah. and it's, it's not super crazy priced when you think about what the cost of the tractor <laughs> stuff is. So it's really cool. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Well, hey, Chris, we got a really awesome interview today. Uh, yep. Guys, you already noticed in the title, we're going to talk a little bit about is diesel racing dead. Now,
1: There's so much on this right now, Paul. There really is. And, so and, much.
0: And we hadn't planned to dive into some of this, but I actually want to as long as we're okay. here. Um, guys, everybody in diesel is talking about right now. Easy Link was named in some, I'll just say some sort of court... Uh,
1: Fiasco. <laughs> Fiasco. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're being sued by like some district of New York. Yada yada. Uh, they're they're alleging that Easy Link is profiting or is a part of or actively supporting delete tuning. Uh, we've also seen a lot of other posts, I won't call anybody out by name, but there's a lot of other guys in the industry that are talking about deleting and diesel racing yep. and racing and all of that. Um, listen, we're not out to poke the bear by any means. No. Uh, we've been involved in emissions-equipped performance for a really long time. Yep. We've been racing emissions-equipped vehicles for a really long time. Um, y- you know, 100%, I'll just say it right off the top, diesel racing isn't dead. Yep. And to really prove that and drive that point home, I was so excited to bring on Greg Jolly from Outlaw Diesel Super Series. Um, Chris, you were here for that interview. I was not. You were not. not. You were not. I'm sorry. I
1: we, was grinding it out.
0: <laughs> grinding it out. That's right. Uh, Chris and I, we, we have to do a lot of our, our interviews remotely and things like that. So sometimes I know we get a little mixed up because yeah. we've had so many awesome ones here lately. And Greg is definitely one of those. Uh, guys, you're going to love hearing about him breaking down what classes are in ODSS. I had no idea how many entry-level classes there are to yeah. where, like, If you're just brand new to diesel racing, you've never driven down a quarter-mile track, but you have a diesel truck, get your ass out to an ODSS event and go make a pass.
1: The one thing I want to bring up with with this whole diesel racing thing and everything that's going on, there is a difference between a race vehicle that is being used for race application and using a vehicle and modified a certain way on public roads that's illegally modified. OK, does that, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure, man. I'm, I'm dying to hear where you go with this. I,
1: I don't want to go anywhere with this other than <laughs> a lot of the things that I'm reading about online of, you know, um, tuning is dead. Racing is dead. All of these different, you yeah. know, things. There are so many categories within this industry of things that you can do to your truck and, and the companies that promote and support some of those modifications. Yeah, they're 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 they are putting one part of the industry uh, th- that has a negative outlook and making it the entire industry, which is simply not the case.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 there's there's a lot of it going on, right? It's no one person in particular. No. Um, th- there's definitely we've been getting these questions and fielding these questions over yeah. at Duramax Tuner for for years. Yeah. To be honest yeah, with yeah, you, and years, every time this is nothing new. <laughs> there's another lawsuit or there's another EPA violation announced or or whatever. Um, there's always a a lot of knee jerk reactions. There's a lot of people who go out and post like, oh, it's all over. That's it. Yep. Shut it all down. If I got Give a dollar. Now. Yeah.
1: Every couple of years, every couple of years, there's <laughs> these is. posts. You what know? it is. So it's, it's just, again, when you asked where I was going with that, it wasn't like, <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here like, you know, uh, ruling out, oh, don't do this or do that. But it's just, there are things that are supported in the diesel industry that are just really never going to go away. Okay, it's, we we know that. Um, at the same time, there are these there are these flare ups <laughs> that occur, and everyone, for some reason, ends up having a negative outlook. That is not necessarily the case either.
0: Yeah, man. And listen, like if you're not big into the race scene, you're not all over social media. We're talking about deleting emissions yep. equipment. That's like the big argument that's going on. That's why they're going after EasyLink and some of these other companies. It's it's all about did you or did you not delete emissions equipment, and then some of those people's responses have been what about racing it, it, it's listen if you care about this it's really really easy to go find people talking about it in public yep. we're going to try to avoid like i said we don't yeah, want to like don't... get into any specifics i will not be giving anybody advice about what does or does not constitute a race <laughs> truck or any other legal concepts that's not nobody wants paul to be that my
1: legal me. counsel
0: done you heard <laughs> it here that's a verbal contract i am now chris's lawyer um yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think what was cool was being able to have Greg Jolly on yep. from ODSS and really break out and talk about what entry-level racing looks like in the real world. What are your options? Like, bracket racing is something that was— It's growing. —was new to me. Yep. Uh, I, I did not grow up at a racetrack or going yep. to racetracks, so, like, when I first came around Diesel Performance— and they started explaining to me, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So there's like actually a really fair way for yeah. somebody who's brand new to diesel and somebody who's been racing for 20 years to actually line up at a track and go down and it be very fair, yeah. like a very fair competition. Even money, like budget, like, yeah. oh, you want to spend $100,000 on, on your truck or do you want to just drive in your stock truck? Yeah. With bracket racing, it's like the great equalizer. It's like, well, actually, either one of you could end up running away yeah. with this.
1: And it's crazy to think that... In an industry where all these people say that, you know, the diesel industry or racing is is falling apart and dying, you have a a sanction, right, or the ODSS, uh, an actual organization, they're growing.
0: Yeah so massively massively
1: it's the it's the eye-opener man that's that's what this industry needs is this interview i think it's going to go a long way
0: absolutely so yeah uh also of course with greg we dive into how there's a ton of records getting broken we talk about some of who the big hitters are in odss right now and what you guys all want to hear is what are the plans for 2021 so let's kick it over to greg Greg Jolly from ODSS, how the
2: hell are you? We're doing great, man. Uh, just hanging in there on a Thursday.
0: You said it. You said it. Now, uh, <laughs> Greg, I I know we're going to get to talk about so much really cool high-end diesel performance. And guys, don't worry. We're going to get into some entry-level diesel racing as well. Uh, but first, I just wanted to start out and hear a little bit about how you got your start in diesel performance.
2: Sure, sure. So, I kind of, my background primarily, I mean, growing up was all in, you know, gas world, Uh, high performance, drag racing, circle track racing, you know, hanging out at the track every weekend. Um, And then, uh, roughly about five years ago, I accepted a position to work at Scheid Diesel uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, part of that, uh, Dan Scheid and a group of guys had the ODSS going and the current person that was running the series at that time uh, decided to move on from the position and I was asked to kind of fill the role and I jumped in both feet and just uh, (laughs) tried to fill in the best I can. Um, And then, uh, you know, I've I've just kind of grown into it since then. Uh, It's been a a great challenge uh, at times. And then, you know, it's just a blessing um, to be able to hang out with basically the who's who of diesel performance. You know at these events and see all the blood, sweat, and tears poured into the trucks and uh builds across you know from the entry level guys all the way up to the pro mod guys and rails and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been in it for about five years now total uh, on the diesel side, and it's just been incredible. Uh, just one big family for sure.
0: That's so cool. I love when we have some crossover and we have somebody who came from that kind of classic like like what i would what i would consider like a midwest small town experience around racing which is pretty much all gas uh and then to kind of get thrown into diesel it it's like oh i didn't know that this underbelly of drag racing existed that there were so many you know crazy people out here who were going to take these big heavy bricks and try to lug them down the track as fast as they could which is my best That's description the of diesel best racing
2: that you can have for it for sure. A big <laughs> heavy brick, and seeing how fast you can throw it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, okay, good. Now, um for our newer listeners or people who are newer to diesel performance, ODSs is the Outlaw Diesel Super Series. You guys are are quite clearly the premier national drag racing organization. Um, you said now you've been in it for about five years. Do you know how long ODSs yeah. has been going?
2: ODSS has been going uh, for this will be season eight. Oh wow! Uh, so eight years. So um, yeah, I mean we you know we had NHRDA uh, on the west coast and they kind of went out, you know, a few years ago and now, uh, you know, James and Chris with UCC are kind of reviving that west coast series this year, which is be be exciting. Uh, hopefully, some cool stuff in the works with that um, in the years to come you know, hoping to try to get a West Coast series off the ground and then maybe do an East versus West Coast and Central, you know, like a St. Louis or something like that uh to be the best of the best. Uh, so bragging rights at the end of the year.
0: I, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, yeah. Um, you, you had mentioned that, that Dan Scheid and some other guys had kind of gotten together uh-huh. to create ODSS. How has it changed throughout the years? Where Where did it start and what is it now?
2: So... I'd say that primarily, I mean, I think they started out with just kind of creating a point series um, of racing uh, to get a group of guys together and kind of show off what they can do. Um, Primarily, that goal hasn't, you know, that hasn't changed. That's what we're doing. I mean, we are providing, you know, races across primarily the East Coast, uh, you know, Indiana, Tennessee, Florida, North Carolina, um, those areas you know, it's kind of where we're focused on. Um, and we just kind of give people a place where they can come out and hang out, uh, you know, put their truck on the dyno and see what it can do and maybe hurt some feelings or hurt their own sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, see some drag racing, come hang out, at, you know, really family-friendly just events uh, where everybody can kind of come and enjoy each other's company and see what uh, what's new and latest and greatest in technology with
0: diesel you know that that is such a cool point to make there is as you had mentioned earlier that like this diesel scene does feel like a family and and like a family we have our favorites and we have the ones that that we really tend to fight with the most um and and we we've we've seen some some rises and falls and emotions throughout the years but but what i love is the level of competition because regardless of what anybody's posting on social media what we see there is people are willing to help but also people want to win. Um, Exactly.
2: And one of the, Uh, the, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. One thing that, that just absolutely blew my mind, you know, coming from like, like you said, the Midwest is kind of the heart of racing, you know, whether it be circle track or open wheel, you know, but that is one thing that just blows my mind with this diesel crowd is everyone is willing to step in and help uh, no matter what, what it is, you know, it's, it's all serious business on the line, but behind the scenes in the pits, you know, people are always lending a hand where needed or offering advice and doing exactly what they can to help everyone everyone succeed. And it, it's awesome. It's I'm glad to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. Um, and and it's cool because I think what we get out of it is a better overall result. It seems to me, every single year of ODSS, it's like every few races somebody's setting a new record. Yeah.
2: For sure. You know, uh you know, I sat back on a podcast uh two years ago and was asked, you know, where do you think that uh where's where's the fast gonna be? You know, what's the lowest ETs gonna be? And back then I said that, you know, I thought we'd be at four at that at that time I thought we were at four fifties. And I said, you know, I'd be ecstatic if we got into the four teens and then, you know, firepunk comes out and just throws Stupid numbers out like the first race of the season and dropped it down and you know they've just been on fire since they they
0: have been a driving force around some of the attention that's happening um obviously firepunk always draws a crowd and and there's there's a lot of big names in the odss series uh can you kind of cue in some of our some of our fans out there who are some of the big players in those larger classes where we are running i mean now Thanks to Firepunk, mm-hmm. now running sub fours is is the new record, oh, yeah. I believe.
2: Yep, yeah, yeah. They were they're down at South Georgia Motorsports Park for uh, Ducks Race this weekend. Um, they're running. Uh, I, I can't remember what the class they run, but they threw down a three ninety nine this afternoon, which is absolutely insane. That's so um, crazy. You know, congrats to those guys. A lot of hard work and blood, sweat, and tears for sure to go into that. Um, but you know, the Ryan Milliken. Ryan's got his new car. New Nova out down there as well. Uh, Rod McMaster, he's kind of new with us. Uh, he's running in 590s, um, but he's also running a, a class down there at Ducks Race. So that's that's one of the cool things that we've tried to get into the last couple of years um, is really trying to turn heads and make diesel racing more mainstream. Um, you know, these guys going down to Ducks Races, um, you know, Tommy and... Um, Trout, uh, Tyler Crossno with PDRA, you know, the last couple of years, we've kind of done some exhibition passes out there during their World Finals, and that's really been a blast, too. I mean, you've got the the who's who of gas racing out there and us coming in and showing us what those these diesels do, and it, it really is. You hear people at the line like, wow, I didn't think that was going to happen. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's been fun. Um, but, yeah, you got got uh, Firepunk Boys. you got Ryan Milliken. Uh, you've got Johnny Gilbert with stainless diesel, Derek Rose, uh, Paul Cato. I mean, all these guys, you know, really turning up uh, the wick on all their machines, trying to push the limits. And then, you know, others just kind of it's been kind of a cool thing to see happen is everybody just kind of progresses through the ranks and continues to improve their their programs.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the ranks, because I I think one of the things coming from sled pulling over to to drag racing is the classes are set up very different. Um mm-hmm. in sled pulling it's all about getting your turbo tech and that's pretty much like safety and turbo tech is really all of the class rules or, or the sure. the main stasis of the class rules I should say because there are other stuff. Um but in drag racing that's not that's not necessarily really the part of it. Can you kind of break down what the classes are and how they're set up or why they're set up this way?
2: Sure so o d s s we really do uh have a class for everyone um you know it doesn't take big money to come out and run with us um you know our e t bracket class is basically you know it's a dial in bracket race you could ring bring in your pickup truck off the street that you daily and have a chance to compete for you know twelve hundred dollar prize at the end of the day um and that's hey, man, don't worry about it. We do a little bit of everything. Um, that way um, so you've got basic rules safety stuff you know make sure you have tennis shoes jacket pants a helmet and making sure your truck doesn't have any leaks it's not going to cause any safety <laughs> concerns down the track um, so that's basically on a ET class uh, 770 would be our next one that's going to be your index classes so you're basically run trying to run the number you're trying to run a 670 or 770 on the number um 670 as well same thing and then 590 would round out our index class uh 590 is kind of the first entry-level pro class trying to comp- like get that bridge the gap between pro street where you're you know 150,000 dollar, you know starting to get serious about racing type like program <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we wanted to create something that was a little less or a little more cost effective for somebody getting into it to see if it's something they want to continue to push for sure uh, and that's been a big class for us well and um, real quick so here i out.
0: i just want to jump in and kind of break down what an index class is or or a yeah. bracket class right so a bracket class i could go out with a school bus or i could go out with a a, a pro mod uh so a, a full out you know two thousand horsepower truck doesn't matter yeah. i'm not no, actually racing the guy next to me necessarily what i'm doing is i'm saying I go in at the beginning and I give them a number. Say I'm going to run, whatever, a 10-second quarter mile. Um, or you guys do, do you guys do all 8th mile, mile runs?
2: Yeah. We run all 8th mile. Um, the reason for that uh, just is a lot easier on parts. Yeah. Um, a lot easier on the vehicles, and we've seen a lot less breakage in the last couple of years since switching to 8th mile.
0: Yeah. I'd also imagine you, you have a little bit less of a safety concern because the top speed in an 8th mile compared right. to top speed in a quarter mile, a lot different shit can go wrong. A lot.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. So, so
0: bracket class, I go in at the beginning, I say, hey, I'm in a fast truck, I'm going to run a 10. The guy next to me says, hey, I'm just in a stock truck, I'm going to run a 14.5. Yep. He gets to leave four and a half seconds before me, and then we run each other down at the end of the track and see who's going to go through. If you've
2: ever wanted to know how long four seconds feels while you're sitting in and driving, you know, at the starting line, it feels like an eternity. <laughs>
0: totally does because they get a green light. So you're sitting in the tree next to them. And the natural feeling is when the light goes green, we both go, but that bracket racing works the opposite. You're not racing necessarily off the line. You're really racing at the end of the track. That's where you're going to see the head to head. Um, so it's kind of a cool flip on things to where, like you said, it makes it so anybody could show up and race.
2: It's true. Anybody can win on any given day. And to be honest, it doesn't matter if you've got 15 years experience or if it's your first time, time down the track, um, (laughs) As a matter of fact, I think two years ago at Rudy's Spring, we had somebody that was – it was literally their first time racing a diesel, and they ended up winning the event uh, (laughs) in the E.T. bracket class. Uh, So, I mean, it can happen.
0: And I usually – I don't see – I would say it's very rare for me to see any bracket racing, gas, diesel, whatever, and to see the fastest car in the pack win. Right. Right because the fastest car in the pack is probably running at the raggedy edge and having that consistency right. of running that exact same ET every single time gets yeah, very exactly tough. Right. But like, if you got so like an old 7.3 with Riddle. an auto. Mm.
2: <laughs> if your name's Ryan Riddle, somehow you click off 7.70s in your sleep.
0: <laughs> now, index index classes, this one took me a long time to understand um, mm-hmm. because I'm a dummy and I didn't get like seven seventy. So, so again, my truck could be the fastest truck there. I could be capable of running a 590, but I could choose to enter that 770 class and try to dial in my foot, dial in my launch, dial in the, the horsepower, dial in how much to pedal at the end of the track because I want to run exactly 770. Because if I go 769, that's called breaking out or busting out. I've yep. gone too fast. I no longer go qualify.
2: go the bottom of the pile.
0: That's it. So so it's a really tough class uh, or it's really tough to kind of think about who's going to win these classes because it's not always just who put the most money in their truck.
2: No, it's not not at all. It's it's a lot a lot of driver experience comes into all of it. Um and and a little bit of luck. Luck goes <laughs> a long way. Too.
0: That's the truth of drag racing, right? <laughs> be as good as you want, spend as much as you want. That's still a little bit of luck. It's going to be what, what gets you the trophy. Absolutely. So so the 770 class, can you ballpark for our listeners, what kind of horsepower truck do, would would commonly be in the 770 class as opposed to what type of a build list or horsepower are we looking at to be in the 590 class?
2: You know, really, realistically, I think you can get there, you know, truck weight is going to be the big, big thing there, uh, you know, versus the horsepower. But, you know, I think you're going to need about 800, 850-ish horsepower-wise to run 770 and maybe a little less. 590s, it's, you know, again, it's all going to be about the weight because, you know, if you look at guys like, uh, you know, Rick Fox, when he came back, you know, ran 590 the first year, he completely gutted the truck and was, you know, basically a tube chassis truck at that point in time. And, uh, you know, I think he was shooting for like a thousand horsepower, 1100 horsepower. Yeah. So, you know, if you can get the weight down, you don't have to run as much horsepower and it just makes everything more reliable, which is another kind of a pro to running that 590 class. You're not running things on the ragged edge and you can get something that's going to make, you know, 20, 30 passes reliably
0: yeah yeah and and that's that's one of the things I wanted to bring up is is before we get into like the really big the the, the very well invested we'll just say uh correct. bigger classes here who are the guys who you're seeing who are flying down the track almost all shop owners very few privateers uh although there are a few out there right mm-hmm. yeah um
2: there's a few uh but yeah you're you're that correct i mean your your pro pro class guys are primarily shop owners
0: yeah yeah, which is great. they got to have something to do with their time, right? It's sure. <laughs> not like they're running businesses or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so a, as I start to get through these classes and I'm, I'm building my truck and I'm, I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, I have to end up going to the track. What does what the investment of time look like? What's a normal day look like at an ODSS event?
2: So normally uh, I'd say we typically have a driver's meeting around 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, typically, start off um, qualifying. Um, typically on a Friday night, we'll do at least one round of pro qualifying, uh, two if allowed time allows us. So the Saturday is our race day. Um, Saturday we'll do our drivers meeting at nine o'clock. Usually by ten o'clock we're track hot. Uh, we'll run one more round of qualifying for our pro class drivers. We'll typically run two rounds for our ET and index classes. Um, and then we'll kind of get into eliminations around noon and if all goes well and the parts gods have holed up there in for the day and we don't have any mass oil downs, we'll be done by six, seven o'clock at night.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: so so A good solid 12 hour day. Most cases.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, and, and for, for the pro mods and for, for the bigger classes, they have to be there Mm -hmm. for that, for that kind of qualifying. Right. So, so we'll, we'll talk about how that works. But if, if you're a guy who's running the ET or you're a guy who wants to be in the index races, mm-hmm. you're still showing up early. You're, you're hanging yeah. around. Hey, your, your races might end, but if you're into racing, you're going to want to stick around till the end of the show.
2: Oh yeah. There's all kinds of things. Well, one, you know, they're there in the morning and you're running your rounds. If you go out, there's still so much stuff to do to check out, check out in the pits and you know, pick some of these guys brains that you may have seen online or seen their companies and, Talk to them about their products or, you know, visit our vendor row with, you know, we have more than 20. I think we got 25 different sponsors that will be with us this year uh, and they'll be traveling around each event on the circuit. Uh, So you have plenty of market support there for all of the stuff between, you know, like we said, uh, your daily drivers all the way up to those Pro Mod and, you know, Dragsters and everything like that. So plenty of stuff to do on site uh, the whole time you're there.
0: How many events do you guys have planned? What what does this season look like for you? Uh,
2: So this season, uh, we will have a total of seven events on schedule. Um, So we typically, we had uh, eight to start out the beginning of the year. Uh, We had some scheduling conflicts um, with our Firepunk race uh, that was scheduled for June. And we've kind of worked with James and Chris to... Combine events uh, with UCC. So that's going to be huge uh, for those guys um, as well as us uh, getting uh, just more mainstream audience looking at it. I think that's kind of one of the things that UCC has brought to the table. It's got your your normal everyday guys eyes looking on it. Whereas, you know, with us, you know, it was primarily just people that are interested in drag racing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm so excited for this. So this is really big news. We, we just saw the announcement on this last week on Facebook. The Firepunk ODSS event that's been going on for a while is now being moved to actually hosted at UCC. So it's going to be UCC and there's going to be an ODSS event. We've had some mm-hmm. ODSS racers there to do some exhibition runs uh, in the, yeah. the last year, two years, something like that. Last two couple years, times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's really cool to see because some of these guys compete at both. Right like a lot of the guys right. you mentioned about the biggest names in diesel well they're they're o d s s pro mod or or pro street racers, and they also go to u c c so I think it's going to be a really interesting um kind of snapshot this year where even more people are going to get compete and if you're a fan and you're going to watch or if you're listening to the show, you're gonna to get to hear or see even more act- activity and even more action at u c c which I know I'm excited for,
2: yeah. I am too. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome.
0: Um, this is, th- this is one of those two where I think with seven events, it, it it doesn't sound like a ton for a full year schedule, but then you look at the amount of time that you guys cover. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like over seven or eight months, isn't it? You guys are doing like yeah. one event a month.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, it It is. It's, you know, we start in April. Uh, the last week in April will be at Piedmont Dragway for Rudy's for our spring opener. And then you're exactly right. We're May, June, July, August, September, and we finish out in October at Reedy's again.
0: Oh, my goodness. What a blast. Um, Okay, I want to circle back to to these bigger classes that I kind of put a pause on there for us. Once Mm -hmm. I get past that 590 index, what's the next one that I step up to?
2: Next step up from that 590 is where you're really going to jump in and you're going to be invested. There's no looking back. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, you know, at this point in time, I think you're realistically, um, if to be competitive, you're going to be talking about easily two hundred thousand plus investment um, in these vehicles. Uh, all the technology, you know, the engine programs that they've got out there, you know, with uh, Drew, uh, with Waggler, you know, and Shide, all those guys creating these billet blocks. Uh, that's where you're getting all your lightweight power and just pushing everything to the limits. And that's exactly kind of what you're getting into. Once you start into pro street, you're throwing everything you can at it to go as fast as you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and it, it is, it is wild to see these trucks run down the track when you're at the, the, the pro street races and, and they get into that, those runs, it is flying.
2: Um, oh, it, it's it's insane. Can and, you... you? know that's really what that's really what everybody comes to see. And you know, I can't tell you, um, you know, my favorite memory of recent years. Uh, if you go back uh, two years ago, Rudy's Fall, you had Firepunk Racing, uh, Wade Moody in the PPEI Corvette. I have never seen such a crowd, and the electricity in the crowd on the line as that moment and just watching those two go head to head was probably my favorite memory in recent racing years. Just, just feeling the crowd and the energy around everybody. It was exciting.
0: Absolutely, man. What a great race too. Oh, um, yeah,
2: it was absolutely crazy. <laughs>
0: now, now we, we have this this idea of of these guys running and these guys these guys being balls out but like we talked about earlier they're they're all just about all of them are also friends they all work with each other they all help each other out they all kind Mm -hmm. of make this thing going um but but i always laugh about what we see as far as what trucks these guys drive (laughs) clearly cummins is is a big competitor or or a great option when we're going to build these huge high power trucks does yeah. anybody else run anything besides a Cummins anymore? Are there, is, do we still have any Duramaxes in the crowd? God forbid we have a power stroke out there.
2: <laughs> there there are. There's a few out there. Uh, they're very limited, but there's a few. <laughs> they're uh, trying, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple power strokes. You know, you've got uh, Charlie Fish. Uh, he's running that 590 class uh, power stroke powered. Uh, you've got uh, Austin Denny. He's also a 590 competitor running power stroke. Um Dustin Sterling out of Texas, running Duramax camp. Um, there's a couple of pro mods out there in the world that are Duramax powered. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the I think the big three are going to hit this year, I think. Uh, so we've got in the dragster class, the fastest that, you know, we got. We've got Shy Diesel with their Cummins powered billet block. Uh, we'll see Waggler out there with his De- uh, Duramax uh, billet block. And then I think uh, Snyder's out of Pennsylvania, uh, SPE Diesel, are bringing out their six, seven-powered Power Stroke rail. So we'll get to see all, all the big three this year, I think, and it'll be interesting to watch.
0: We'll see who makes it through, through seven events.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Uh, everything's hard on parts when you're going that fast. Well, that's um, it, man. And yeah. it'll just be interesting to watch how it all plays out.
0: I like that. I like that. Well, hey, I wanted to kind of hit on on some of our new guys, too, because I know a lot of guys listening to the show would love to get into drag racing, would love to get out this season and make a couple of passes. What do you think are some of the most common mistakes that you'll see newbies make at the drag strip? Oh,
2: truck beds. (laughs) Cleaning out truck beds. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, honestly, though, that is the big one. I mean, everybody's coming out to have a good time, so they're bringing their coolers. They've got their lawn chairs. Uh, those things don't mix well with going down the drag strip.
0: What do you mean, dude? I drove here at seventy miles an hour on the highway the whole time. It was fine. What's the problem? What oh, do you mean because now yeah. I'm doing a burnout or I'm doing like this really really jerky launch and I'm flying and I don't know what the crosswinds are going to be like down the track.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that's number one. Uh, number two, um, just leaving air conditioning on, which could be a safety issue. You know, going down track, you get moisture under the tires uh, at those kind of speeds. Even even your ET trucks, you're going to be doing, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour, uh, you know, on a slick surface. You know, it's a completely different surface from when you're on your, you know, your pavement going down the road. Yeah. You know, a little bit of water on a racetrack feels like ice.
0: So really, yeah. uh,
2: those things are probably the top two as far as new guys going. Um, just trying to save from those. That's good advice, man. I like that. Uh, anybody you want to give a shout out to, Greg? Yeah, just uh, thanks to all of our sponsors that we've had over the years and continued support. Obviously, thanks to the fans for coming out and supporting our series and to all the drivers that are with us currently that have supported us over the years. And hopefully the new ones that come out and give themselves a shot and let the racing bug bite them.
0: I love it. Well, Greg, thank you so much for for joining me and talking to our listeners today about ODSS. I am so excited. Guys, we're going to be hoping to bring you a lot more content around ODSS and some of the activity and successes throughout the year. Uh, Stick around for the show. Next up, I'm going to talk to Jeremy Garnett for our In the Shop segment. Jeremy Garnett, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh Jeremy, of course, our super tech here at Duramax Tuner, Calibrated Power. You get to work on a lot. You work on all the trucks hands on right now because you're you're the main tech. You're
3: yeah, the guy. only <laughs> full
0: time tech right now. Uh but I do hear some rumors of some help coming into the shop. That's what I'm hearing too. So ah, we'll see. We'll see. I think you got it. I think you could do it all. Yeah, super busy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Jeremy, uh you've had another couple of couple of days here to kind of take a look at some of the different jobs that you've you've had coming across your uh your lifts. What are we talking about today?
3: Uh this week I got to do uh 06 LBZ, put a trans in a, in a couple of trans lines and got to do that because the converter failed.
0: That's like such a classic Duramax tuner job. Yeah. I just feel like I can't remember the last last week that we didn't have at least one Allison trans job going in now. Did we do we do like a DT five fifty or DT Uh, seven fifty upgrade? uh,
3: The guy wanted to do a seven fifty with an X converter. Nice. So it was uh, just a mild build. The guy has a little bit more plans down the road with the truck to add a little bit more power. So he wanted to have a seven fifty trans. Now,
0: Uh, did you run into any problems? Anything that was unique about this this job?
3: Yeah, uh, this one here, just the cooler was so filled with debris. Uh, I had to flush the cooler for almost five hours.
0: Flush the cooler for five hours. Yeah, it was an
3: hour each way. And so an hour one way, check the screen, full of debris, flush it again. And it was five hours total before I actually got clean fluid and no debris in the filter.
0: Oh, my God. How many miles were on this thing? Uh, 335,000. Oh, and this was the first the first flush, it looked yeah, like. Yeah,
3: it had to have <laughs> Yeah, 3.35 on the clock.
0: How how often should our our Allison owners be looking at getting a hot flush done on the trans? Should that be a part of their regular maintenance?
3: No. You know what? We don't really recommend it as a maintenance, but filters, definitely, because um, you just got to replace your filters and your maintenance. Hot flush you have to do when you replace the trans. Yeah. I mean, we see transes come back all the time because people don't flush their coolers. Right. and we could tell right away. I mean, the trans comes back and they're like, "Oh, my brand new trans failed." Well, we could tell that. Hey, you didn't flush your cooler, dude.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. That that and that's such a crucial one because you you have a failed trans, so you've clearly put debris right. through the system. That debris didn't just magically only stay in the fluid; it gets <laughs> stuck in the cooler. Yeah. And, and if you don't change your filters regularly. Um, you are going to run into having, like you're talking about 300, 330,000 miles of packed cooler debris. Right. That's just naturally wearing. You got to remember, this is clutch on clutch material, so there is just natural wear and a certain amount of debris that over time is just going to be in the system.
3: Yeah, and then in this guy's case, you know, everybody know. Well, I don't know if everybody knows, but LBZ owners in, in particular. Well, those converters aren't prone to fail. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what really fails on an LBC trans. Yeah. Um. The first, you know, the first Gen 6 speed, you know. <laughs> so this one here actually had little pieces and chunks of metal. Oh, wow. So the, the first couple of times flushing it, there was actually little chunks of metal in it. Oh, man. So, I mean, oh, hey, yeah, I blew out the lines out, blah, 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 you know. like <laughs> Put in a brand new $5,000 trans and... Yeah, And you want it It, right. You you want it to last. That's the whole point.
0: The whole point. That's why you also make sure you do a fluid change a thousand miles after you install a new transmission um, and make sure you you throw new filters on it a thousand miles after you install it. Uh, Even after the hot flush, you just want to make sure you have nothing in the system that should not be there. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. What a cool, what a cool job. I think that is one of those, like I said, it's a staple, but it's never one that I hear you guys complain about.
3: You know we do so many it's like you know putting on your underwear in the morning <laughs>
0: what's our what's our pro tip for for all the guys out there who are going to be doing an allison trans a swap or build or or r
3: on this one here actually using sometimes using a different tool like uh doing trans lines on this truck using a ecotech socket for the trans lines works perfect that's a pro tip so really yeah
0: okay yeah because it's
3: a short socket that you can't get into the bottom of the radiator to get to the fitting right Use an ecotech socket
0: nice good pro tip so awesome well jeremy we are going to have you back next week and we'll have more pro tips coming from our super tech jeremy garnett guys stick around uh of course we have our new format on the knowledge base uh segment coming up next
3: The XDP Extra Cool High Performance Coolant Additive enhances the performance of the cooling system in your vehicle. This coolant additive has been specially formulated to maximize the thermal transfer properties of your engine coolant to lower your temperatures. Not only does the Extra Cool Additive reduce engine coolant temps, the premium additives in this formula prevent buildup and corrosion to extend the life of your cooling system and cooling system components. XDP Extra Cool Coolant Additive is safe for use in all cooling systems and is compatible with all types of coolant. To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool High Performance Coolant Additive, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you.
0: Worldly Custom Fabrication is known for their world-class powder coating, S300, S400, traction bars and all sorts of other just really, really cool parts for your Duramax, Cummins, and I think even a few Power Stroke parts here and there. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2020 GMC 2500 and 3500 Fender Flare Billet Marker Light Delete Kit. Uh, So these brand new L5Ps have the marker lights, and a lot of guys don't like them. Just flat out, just a lot of guys are not into that look. What they would prefer to have is a color-matched billet... piece right there to delete that light kit and have it just look a little bit cleaner on the truck, a little bit less flashy. So it's kind of a really cool understated exterior piece. Um, And I think it's one of those that it's pretty easy to scan over, but once you see it, you're like, oh, I get it and I love it. Uh, so these will help you clean up the look of your 2020 GMC Sierra or Denali HD truck by replacing the amber fender flare marker lights with these CAD designed CNC machined billet aluminum marker light delete plates from WC Fab available with machine WC Fab logo or without in raw aluminum or of course but what you're all going to choose paint matching of fine texture or fine texture black powder coat to blend into the OEM black plastic fender flare trim. It installs very, very easily. It's a couple of simple hand tools, comes with everything that you guys are gonna need to install it. Uh, If you are thinking about it or if you have one and you'd like to clean up the look a little bit, no problem at all. Jump over to wcfab.com and you'll be able to find that part right away. The other sponsor I wanted to talk about today is Exergy Performance. With their background in OE development and manufacturing, Exergy Performance brings a unique perspective to the high performance world. They know what features and specifications need to be to ensure proper function. They know how to produce them and they know how to verify that they're correct. The verification process and the equipment that they use is very untypical of a standard diesel repair shop. It, It actually allows them to look at many more system performance characteristics beyond just the average fuel output, which is how most shops will just test it. Uh, What they test is actually from idle to full power using factory calibration points and a few points of their own uh, that they've added for the high performance market. They can fully map a set of injectors uh, and have done so for, I don't know, a a countless number of of people out there. Uh, The guys who are running at the very top of the industry, are running exergy. The guys who are running their normal street truck are running exergy. Every one of our employees who has a modified set of injectors is running exergy. There's a reason that we use them time and time again. If you guys are looking for more, uh, you can check out exergy's website, uh, but you're probably best off giving a call over to duramaxtuner.com, um, giving a call over to WCFAB, Giving a call over to uh, any of their distributors who are out there. Also, if you need technical assistance and you've bought from a distributor, uh, I believe you can still reach out to Xergy if you need to. Greg, jolly guys, uh, you definitely should jump over to the ODSS Facebook page and Instagram channels and check that stuff out. And then, of course, Jeremy Garnett, our Super Tech. Chris, have you been have you been paying attention to some of these Super Tech? Awesome tips! These pro tips that he's got yeah. on each segment—I
1: take it for granted because I get to talk to him on a, <laughs> on a bi-daily, you know, uh, basis. So, yeah. you know, having him on air and in, in talking about some of the things that he uh, he deals with—they're they're useful tips. You know, he's a very skilled mechanic in the trade, so there's a lot you could take
0: from him. Absolutely, man. Yeah, uh, guys, if you want to follow more tips from Jeremy Garnett, you can actually check him out on Instagram. Jeremy yeah. Garnett's got a got an Instagram handle, so go and check that stuff out over there. He does actually post a lot of he does diesel mostly stuff work at pictures the yep. it's mostly like here's my day at the shop uh so i always thought that was really cool chris i have been working all year on trying to make a knowledge base segment of the show yeah, a place super of the show where we could actually exchange like real hard practical easy to use information yep. about diesel performance or troubleshooting or whatever um Listening back to some of the episodes, I think Sean Lin did a phenomenal job. Huge shout out to Sean Lin. I don't think I gave him the best material possible yeah. to make him really exciting. Because if you were to meet Sean, he has a lot more to say than just reading yeah. a knowledge base. article. How
1: come I feel like you're putting something in my lap here?
0: Uh, Well- Well, Chris, because this week I'm going to run you as the test dummy on a new format for this segment. All right. Uh, I hope to pull in our customer service team to kind of help us out with this in the future, but we are going to test your customer service skills. Okay. Let's go. All right. uh, So I'm going to lay out a question. Chris is going to help me with it. Here's the first one I pulled. This is like totally normal stuff that we would get uh, on our customer service uh, phones. So. I have a 2002 LB7 Duramax, and ever since I put on my new 10 millimeter CP3, I have a surge at idle. What should I do?
1: All right. First thing I would ask is, even though you just put the pump on the truck and it's having a surge, um, I would ask what lift pump you have, and I would still want to verify what the lift pump pressure is for oh, a peace of mind.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, I also put on a Fast 165 okay. at the same time. It was brand new out of the box. I put it on... Okay. And and I'm not getting any low rail pressure.
1: Okay. Are you getting any high rail pressure
0: codes? Uh, not codes, but I can hear it like low.
1: Okay. So the first thing that I would recommend doing is putting a pressure gauge on the base of the fast bump and make sure that we have proper lift pump pressure. Generally, 7 to 10 psi at idle is ideal. Okay. If the pressure is too high, chances are that the regulator is actually pushing open because of too much supply pressure. Mm -hmm. it's common it happens okay not every pump gets sent out is is running that exact seven to ten these pumps get to like 11 12 it'll start to do that gotcha if that all checks out and everything is good for what i just said chances are it's going to be on the regulator side of things for the pump lb7 runs an lb7 regulator most 10 millimeter stroker pumps are going to have an lbz based regulator unless it was ordered differently so next i would ask is the truck tuned for the lbz specific regulator
0: I have not done a tune update. Okay.
1: So I would reach out to your tuner. If you don't have custom tuning, unfortunately, this is going to be the point where you need to get custom tuning because then it's going to be a regulator issue. But the lift pump side is something that I like to see just so I know I have a proper foundation, okay? it's We're not going to have to you know chase our tails here at the end. And then uh, if everything checks out there, like I said, it's probably in the tune. It's probably going to be regulator related.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Can I hit you with another one now? Let's go. I think that was good. Can we just talk about that one real fast? Because yeah. we do get... The LB7, LBZ regulator question all the time.
1: Well, I mean, it goes even a step further than that. Like I'll get guys, you know, I brought up like the lift pump thing. We get guys that have like LBZ LMM trucks and they have stroker pumps and they run into regulator surge issues. Um, And that's where a lot of times guys will focus solely on the injector pump and not on the lift pump being a potential cause.
0: Am I remembering correctly? Doesn't the Cummins lift pump come at a lot higher supply PSI?
1: Uh, It depends on the year model. Okay. It depends on the year. Because I
0: I do remember I I had one on social media here pretty recently where a guy had. Pull, and started off with I got a used pump, yeah. lift pump, blah 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 blah. We're chasing it down, chasing it down, chasing it down. We're doing these logs and I'm just I'm watching this regulator just peeled wide open yep. all the time and it's like the, it's not it's calling for it. it. Yep. Yeah, and it turned out he had whatever a very high supply and it was just yep. it was rowdy. Yep. Uh see so yeah, man, check your guys' stats. All right, I got I got one more for you today and then and then we'll see how this goes. We'll see if we can get some user feedback. Yeah. Guys, great place to give us user feedback. Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Boom. Facebook group. God, I love that plug. (laughs) All right. All right. My 2018 Cummins uses more DEF than my 2014 used to. Can your tunes make my truck use less DEF? So
1: the first thing I would ask on something like this, because, again, very common, very commonly asked. And guys compare one year model truck to the other year model truck. What guys don't realize is DEF is consumed when the truck is producing knocks. Okay. This has nothing to do with regen frequency. This has nothing to do with um, the, the calibration itself causing more or less because the trucks are very similar from 13 to 18. Okay? Sure. So we should be very on a very even playing field. Okay. So the first thing I would ask is, is how are you driving the truck and are you driving it the same way? If you're driving the truck in a more aggressive manner, trying to run, you know, 80, 90 mile an hour down the highway, the truck is under kind of a load because of wind resistance. The truck is generally going to form a little bit more NOx. Truck is going to consume DEF. Or if the truck's under a load and towing constantly, if the truck's under a load, it's going to use DEF. If the truck's empty, it's going to use less DEF. Yeah. Tire size, I see, plays a little bit of a role on this too, based yeah, tire off of size
0: and gearing. The, yeah.
1: the driving style of of the, the person. So will tuning help improve? I really, really do never, I, I never want to claim that yeah. um, because again, the truck is going to use DEF when the truck is in a vigorous workload. Okay. Um, I can definitely stand behind and say that with proper tuning and the truck being mechanically sound, we should see less regen frequencies that take place which, again, has nothing to do with the DEF consumption. Right. So I generally see DEF being consumed more when the truck is used in an under-load a load situation.
0: Yeah. Now, I do know the 19s, everybody who got a 19 stock for stock, 19s tend to use more DEF, well, and I wonder if that's a, an yeah. EGR usage strategy. Mm-hmm. So EGR, how much EGR activity you have is going to dramatically gonna also, yep, yep, impact yep, your, your DEF absolutely. consumption. Absolutely. So I know me, if, if I got somebody who's like, man, I had a 14 and now I got an 18, I'm right there with you, Chris. You yep. got to run through fun- what's What's the difference is? Let's start there, right? So if you have a 14 and an 18, I want to know, well, did both trucks have the same size right. tires? Was one a dually? Did one have gears? Right. W- you tell what one you trailer versus
1: the other trailer all play a big role. But what you are going to see is when there's a new platform, okay? Yep. LML versus L5P, there is definitely a difference. We see the L5P consume more than the LMLs on average. Right. Same thing with the Cummins. You see more of the 21 through 19 trucks, 19 through 21 rather, utilizing more than we do in the you know 13 to 18 year models. that's right and
0: i also notice it tends to follow when there's an egr update involved yep. so so as we've we've changed the egr's EGRs got really big there for a while and then like coolers all started to fail and then EGRs got small and then egr placement moved yep. on all of the motors and, and there's always these little tweaks going on and as you play with that and as you play with your calibration about how much egr versus how much def should we use because they're both used as a tool to combat NOX. Yep. Right. So if we have cooler piston temperatures, we're going to have less NOX. Yep. So that's why we use EGR. Um so yeah, this is one of those where where part of this is factory calibration, but it's not the part of the factory calibration that you're going to change in emissions equipped tuning. Right. My baseline is always what did you what did you consume stock? So what did you go through for deaf with stock? How often did you go into regen stock? If we can add horsepower and torque, maintain your reliability, and maximize your drivability, and we don't move any of those stock emissions equipment numbers, home run.
1: Well, and in in some cases, what you have is with, like, what we do in tuning, we work a lot with, like, the air-fuel ratio, working with lambda limiters and stuff like that. So we're actually going to be able to help reduce some of that as Uh, far as, you know, soot production, going through the EGR and, you know— getting captured in the DPF. So there's a lot of nerdy stuff there. Maybe in a future podcast we get Nick on board or something like that. Um, but, again, to circle this back, you know, the deaf is going to be consumed as deaf is going to be consumed.
0: Yep. So There you go. Good stuff. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much for sticking around for the whole show. Uh, I know we've had a lot of fun. we got some killer episodes there's coming up, There's a lot Chris. that we have
1: in the pipeline. Like, <laughs> we were talking about this uh, off, off mic in our uh, podcast meeting on Tuesdays. Um, this is the most – prepared. We have been in a very long time and we have more to come. Like, yeah. We are super super excited. We told you guys 2021 was going to be a year that we were going to try to be on our A game. I think we're delivering that and we have so much more in the future, so I'm really pumped.
0: That's right. And hey, if you agree, make sure you subscribe and tell a friend to subscribe. There you Grab go. your mom's iPhone and subscribe. We would appreciate there you go. that one there too. You go. For today, this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Emke. Have a great night.
1: Paul, be my legal me. counsel.
0: Done. You heard it here. That's a verbal contract. <laughs>